Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. confession as we go before the Lord today in prayer. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, shout hallelujah. Amen. God bless. Sound good this morning. Look with me toward the book of Romans is where we're going to be here in just a few moments. Let me find my way there as well. But to the book of Romans is where we're going to open up at this morning as we sort of study some things that the Lord has had on my heart now for several weeks and uh, just really touched me during my morning devotionals in this uh, topic that I'm talking about here today. And so I'm going to give, as I often do, uh, Andrew Murray <coughs> a lot of credit uh, as I share with you this morning just for the inspiration to get me sort of kicked off and started in this idea. What a great uh, man of God he was and what a great legacy he left us uh, in his writings. And so I thank God for him. But look with me to the book of Romans chapter 4. And I'm going to talk to you, sort of lift out a phrase that we find in this passage of Romans chapter 4 that I believe will help us in whatever area of life that we are in. Uh, in the day and age that you and I live in, we need to make decisions in our life. What is going to occupy our mind, our heart, and our spirit, and our words, and our actions, and our deeds? Uh, we make those decisions, and then that determines how our life is resulted of or what comes of our life. And in Romans chapter 4... We have the story of uh, actually of Abraham himself as he uh, gives this idea or Paul gives the idea of what Abraham went through as he was receiving a child into his heart and his, his life and his family. His first child, his only child that uh, he had as he began to receive from God. And so there's a lot of things here that I just want us to sort of glance at and look at. But I want to talk to you just really about this right here, consideration. Think about consideration. If you've ever looked at uh, deeds in a legal uh, uh, realm or at the courthouse and looked up things, they'll tell what someone gave for property. And while they may gave several hundred thousand dollars for the property, uh, it will usually say something like $10 and other consideration. And to get to other consideration, you have to dig deep into the document rather than just seeing the $10. Because you know they didn't just give $10 for the property but it was other consideration, and you dig deep to find that, what's going on. And when we think about the word consideration, or think about the word consider something, it's not that you just know something, but you have dug deeper into what it is that you're thinking about. If I think about this pew at the front, front, I can glance at it and I can see it, and basically I'll come across with maybe a wooden pew with a, uh, some blue foam on it like that. But if I really begin to consider it, uh, I can see that the wood is oak. 
not just wood, it's oak. I went a little bit deeper. If I consider it, I can see that there's three uh, pew racks or uh, hymnal racks under the front seat, which I didn't notice before, but now that I consider it, I see that it is. And now that I consider it, I see that there are four legs to it, which before I didn't notice that. I just knew there was a pew there. And if I consider it, I can look at the styling and the architecture of the ends that are capped on the end of it. I can consider that as well. I can see some caps on the bottom that hide the screws that bolt it to the floor uh, when you folks get to shouting and everything and rocking our pews. But anyway, it holds it down there. And uh, I can see all those things there. Uh, while I maybe can't have eyes in the back of my head, I know on the other side there's some things that are there for communion and things. So there's a lot to go into detail about that pew, whereas at first all I said was there's a pew, a blue pew. That's all I said. When you consider something, you go deeper into it. It's not to say that you don't know that the world exists and know that the issues abound, but to consider them is going deeper into the thing, having a fuller understanding, Webster tells us, or to consider it clearly and closely when we come. So, so think about that. Not just uh, consider, but to consider to delve deeply into that thing or that subject or that item that you're thinking about or talking about. And so as we look into this, we can sort of understand what's going on. So Romans chapter 4, uh, verse 17, just a moment here. cooperate. Romans chapter 4 verse 17. The Bible says, as it was written, I have made you, speaking of Abraham, God speaking to him, a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who makes alive the dead and calls those that things that be not as though they were. That's what God does. When I sort of just read through this, looking at it, I could see very clearly that God calls things that be not as though they were. That's God language. That's God talk. That's God vocabulary. That's the way that God processes faith. He calls things that be not as though they were. And so when he's talking about Abraham, the father of many nations, at the time, he is not the father of many nations. He's not even the father of one. But when God speaks to Abraham, he calls him the father of many nations so that he is calling something that is not as though it was. Calling something into Abraham's life that's not in his life. And that's how he speaks. Well, verse 18, who against hope, speaking of Abraham, against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. In other words, it was against hope for him to believe that. He didn't even have a hope, didn't have a prayer, so to speak. Uh, but yet he still, he believed in that, that he would be the father of many nations. How come? According to that which was spoken. So you can see that Abraham is moving from what is to what has been said. He moves from what is to what has been said. And so he says, according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. And what did he say about the seed? We know he talked to him about the sands of the seashore. We know he talked to him about the stars of the sky. And he said, your seed is going to be like that. In other words, multitude, multitude of seed that he said when he spoke to him. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith. Notice Abraham is not 
Big underlining there. Not weak in faith. What does he do? There's that word I spoke to you about. Consider. He considered not. In other words, he did not go deeply. He did not dwell largely. He knew he had no children. That was obvious. But he considered not. He did not let that become the dominant focus and feature of his life. He considered not his own body now dead. If he considers his body, his body's dead. It's past that time of, of childbearing. It's not going to happen for him. And he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb, not even his wife, who also is past the age of childbearing. He does not consider himself or his wife, which it takes to make a child come forward. He's, he's not going to consider that. He's not going to go into the deep realities of why that can't happen. He won't go into the fact that him being 100 and his wife 90, and there's 10 years apart between them. And he's not going to go into the fact that, that people don't have babies at this age. He's not going into that fact of understanding. He, he knows it, but he's not going to consider it, not delve deeply into that to which he knows. Now, notice in verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God. In other words, it didn't shake him when God told him his promise through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Everybody say fully persuaded. Being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. This is the God kind of faith. The kind of faith that Abraham has left us an example for us to follow. Now look at verse 19 again. Notice, being not weak in faith, not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. So that, so that tells me that if you are weak in faith, you do consider your body. You see that? Not weak in faith is considering not his own body. Not weak in faith is considering not the problem. But if he is weak in faith, he will consider his own body. If he is weak in faith, he will consider the issue and he will consider the problem in his life. But he is not. And so, so think about that in life. Whenever you have circumstances and issues that come your way, if, if something comes to you and it's a mountain that's in front of you, and the more that you process the negative, the more that you examine that that is against you, then the bigger that thing becomes in your life, and in fact, the bigger that is, the smaller God is, and you are what would be called weak in faith. He's not doing that. Have you ever uh, had an ache or pain? Who's ever had an ache or pain in your body? I've had a few, okay? And, and what happens if you have an ache or pain? Oh, my, what is that? Let me go to, nowadays, to the Internet. Before we had the Internet, we had books and encyclopedias and medical books and all this kind of stuff. And we'd go there, and we would read about something uh, that had to do. Oh, I've got a headache. Okay. Well, I wonder what this headache is that I have. And then so we click on the Internet, and we look on symptoms, and it says headache. And, okay, what could be there? And it's going to give us 15 things out there. And it could tell me all these things that, that might be wrong with me. 
because I have this headache. And I can look at it and I can begin to think about it and I can detail it. I say, okay, maybe you've been out there, you know, working in the hot all day long and uh, in the sunshine and you've done something in your head and sort of, that's why you had a headache. Or maybe you focused your eyes in a certain way and because of the tension or stress or maybe that's the reason you had your headache. Or maybe you've got a brain tumor. And you see it. You saw it. Oh, Lord God. Oh, Oh, Lord God. Oh, God, I know I've got a brain tumor. Oh, God, there it is. I saw it in there. Well, no, that was like with 15 or 20 other things. But you considered it so much till then it began to worry you. And it began to upset you. And it began to cause you to have issues in your heart and your mind. And your peace left you. And you were all upset. And you were concerned. And you were just a nervous wreck and all these kind of things. And, and you went a direction and, and that kind of way. And then you go, and I've got to see the doctor. Get me in. I've got to have tests. I've got to have the CT scan. I've got to have everything done. Make sure you look and look real good. And they look and say, well, you know, sir, you, you, you don't have a brain tumor. You don't have a brain tumor. You better look again. You better look again. Because I read it right there in the Internet. Be careful what you read on the Internet. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, you better watch what you read. And particularly, does it apply to you at all? Maybe some truth there on some things, but do they apply to you? Well, when you consider something, that's what you do. You just dive into the thing and it becomes your world. It is all your world, what's going on. And listen, if you make your problem your world, God will not be your answer. If you make your problem your world, God will not be found as your answer. And if we want to follow the faith of Abraham, we consider not. Everybody say consider not. He considered not. What was his problem in having a child? God gave the promise. What was his problem in having a child? He's too old. And everything in his body that's supposed to work and function like it's supposed to do in his life to bring forth a child, he's past that age. That happened a long time ago for Abraham. He's past that age. And so since he is, anything he looks at in his own physical body or the, the body of his wife, who's also past the age. There is no answer there to the promise of God that says he's going to have a child. It's, it's not there. And you can keep looking at it, for it, looking for it, looking for it, and then finally get the ideas, let's make it happen ourselves. And, and that's how we got to Ishmael. And that's how we got to the problems of the last four or 5,000 years since this time that this took place uh, of the Arab against the Jew. Okay. What did happen then? He considered his own body then at that point. But during these other times, he considered not. Finally, it, it took him like 25 years to get to this place. And he considered not his own body. He did not look at his own issue. How many times have I talked to people and they tell them about an issue? They go, yeah, but you don't understand how I feel. You don't understand what's happening to me. Nobody has ever been through what I've been through. Nobody has it like I'm having it. And therefore, this is the reason I need to think about my own circumstance situation. Again, I'm not saying not think about it at all. Remember the definition of consider? Okay, we, we know it's there. We understand. But we don't delve into it. We don't make it our life's focus. And that's a lesson that we learned from Abraham in, in Romans chapter 4. Now then, let me show you just a few things. If we're not, turn with me to Romans, or I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. If we are not going to consider our own body, 
in, in this regard. And, and again, he's talking about bringing forth a child. And I'm going to make several different analogies this morning. But if we are not going to consider our own body, uh, what, what are we to consider? Well, the Bible gives us an answer in Hebrews chapter 12 at the end of verse 1. It says, run with endurance the race that is set before you. How many are running your race? Say amen. I'm on this thing right now running wide open, maxed out to the max, doing what I believe God wants me to do in this life that I'm living. And so we are running our race, running our race, and the world is there trying to trip you up. The devil's there trying to trip you up, and you're in the midst of your race. So what do we do? Verse 2, we look unto Jesus. Who do we consider? Somebody tell me who? We consider Jesus. That's who we look at. We don't look at the issue or the problem. Again, as I make that statement again and again this morning, recognize, not saying, not to say the problem's not there. Not at all. But we don't push ourselves, emerge ourselves in that problem. Let it become our total thinking part of our life in the problem. We don't do that. And so here, it says here that we look unto Jesus. How come? He's the author. Who woke you up this morning? Come on, you can do better than that. Who woke you up this morning? Jesus. Yeah. And who put you to bed tonight? He's going to put you to bed tonight. Jesus is, isn't he? He's the author, right? He's the author. And he's the finisher. I am persuaded that he can keep us all the way through. How about you? He's the author. He is the finisher of our faith. Notice that. Author and finisher of our faith. Now, notice that it goes on down. For him, who, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Out of everything that was against Jesus on planet earth, everything they tried to do to him, he still rose from the dead and is ruling and reigning in heaven today. Okay? So consider that. Consider that. Nothing, nothing kept him down. No, nothing stopped him in his mission. He was completely successful in giving his life as a ransom for your and my sins. And, and so nothing stopped him. Well, verse 3, there it is again. For consider him. Consider him. You would just have to admit, when you find yourself worrying and stressed out and got all kind of problems going in your mind, you know you don't have your mind on God. You know you got your mind on your problems. Got your mind on your issues, on the circumstances of life that the devil's brought against you. Because you know that if you consider him and consider Jesus and keep him in your outlook, as he said, looking unto him, keep your eyes focused on him, you know you can't walk around depressed, discouraged, crying the blues or singing the blues, whichever one you do. You know that's not going to happen. It's hard to look at a smiling Jesus. And I believe he is a smiling Jesus. I believe he is. Look with me in Genesis chapter 15. Let me show you something. Now, we're talking about Abraham, okay? So, so let's see how Abraham, God dealt with him on this looking matter. He dealt with him on his eyes and on his vision, okay? Because the Scripture teaches us where there is no vision, the people will perish for a lack of it. And so we've got to have the right thing in front of us. We've got to look at the right direction. We've got to be looking at Jesus, looking at his word, looking at who he is. Now, in Genesis 15, verse 1, I want to show you a couple things. Genesis 15, verse 1. The Bible tells us, you, you know the story. 
God has called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, called him to leave Ur of the Chaldees, go down, and he tells him to go to a new place, new land, everywhere you walk. I'm going to give you that ground where you're going to be. It's going to be yours. And I'm also going to give you many, many, many seed. And he tells him that. He's going to make him multiply seed. And so he's got the promise that Abraham will become a great and mighty nation already in Genesis chapter 12. And so God's coming back here years later talking with him because they're from, him, from the time of the promise to the reality, there's about 25 years there. And so now he's coming back to talk to Abraham again, and he sees what the problem is, and you'll see it too. In Genesis 15, 1, after these things, the word of Lord came to Abram in a vision. See that word, vision? Came to Abram in a vision. Notice his name is Abram, which just means father. Came to him in a vision, saying to him, do not be afraid. I am your shield, exceeding great reward. Notice God says to him, don't be afraid. I'm your shield and exceeding great reward. But, see the but there? But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing? See that word seeing? Abraham says, I see something, God. I see something. You say I'm going to be a great and mighty nation, but what will you give me seeing I go childless. God, do you see I have no child? He's trying to get God to see what he sees. And some of us are like that. God, don't you know the problem I'm in? Can't you see my circumstance? Can't you see how bad it is? And we'll try to talk to God in to seeing it our way. Through our hurt, our pain, sorrow, doubt, unbelief, all those kind of things. We'll try to talk God into seeing our way. And that's what Abraham's doing. God, what you going to do? Seeing, seeing, look, God, look, look. I go childless. One time. Notice. And an heir of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. In other words, he's the oldest servant I have. He's not blood kin, but he's the oldest servant I've got. And he's going to get everything because I don't have a real seed here. It's what he said. You see that, God? Do you see the problem? Verse 3. Then Abraham said, look. Everybody say, look. He's still, God, you're going to have to see what I see. You're going to have to look, God. Look, you have given me no offspring. God, find a child. There ain't one here. Look, God, use your eyes and see that you have not given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my own house is my heir. In other words, all I got is Elise or I don't, I don't even have an offspring. Look at that, God. You see that? See, God? See, I go childless. Look, I don't have an offspring. And so when God sees this, I want to show you something, how God begins to talk differently toward him. In verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and saying, This one shall not be your heir, but the one will come for your own body shall be your heir. In words, God says, The word hasn't changed at all. <laughs> You're still going to get one of your own body. It's going to be your seed. How many knows God's word doesn't change? Say Amen. It doesn't. He told him it's not going to change at all. Now look what God does to him when he sees Abraham's problem. Verse 5. Then he brought him outside and said, look. Abraham, if you're in all this looking business, I'll give you something to look at. Notice what he said. Look now toward heaven. Oh, my. Stop looking at your problems and start looking toward heaven. Amen. 
Stop looking at what you see here on planet Earth. Stop looking at the, the, the horror, the pain, the suffering, everything that's in this place that we live, planet Earth. Stop looking at all that as your lot in life and look toward heaven. Everybody say, look. Oh, look toward heaven. And count the stars. Look what he shows him. I'll show you something, Abraham. Count the stars if you're able to number them. And he's not. He said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and it was counted unto him for righteousness. God didn't change anything. Even though he said, look, I don't have anybody in my own house. I don't have any children. All I got is there. You see that God? Look there. What does God say? He never told him to keep looking at it all. Don't you think God knows about your problems? He does. He knows about the issues of this world. He, he knows what's going on. But, but here he tells us, no, don't look there. Look toward heaven. And if you want the Abraham kind of faith, you've got to change what you look at. I mean, if you get up in the morning and you've got a vision of, of bad news day and night and everything's going wrong in your household and that's all you see and you just keep looking at it and keep looking at it and keep looking at it, that's going to monopolize your time. It's going to take you over in everything you are and you will gravitate toward the destruction of what you are looking at. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a, a prime example of, of, of how to do that. We can look at our finances and we can say, oh, wow, man, my uh, checkbook looks bad. It's way down here or it's running in a hole or it's negative. Make sure you get it cleared up before it hits the bank. But anyway, it's running in a hole. It's negative. Ain't no funds in the checking account. Savings account. What savings account? Ain't no savings account. You're looking. How about cash on you? That kind of thing. Ain't no cash. Not this, not that. And you begin looking at all that. Say, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And you're thinking, well, I got this debt, this debt, this debt, and this debt. I got all these four debts that are against me. And I got to pay all them, and that's why I don't have any money. I No, I just saw I just saw something on the television. And if it's on the television, you know it's got to be true. If it's said by your favorite actor, you know they wouldn't tell you wrong. I just saw something on television here that says I can take all my four bills and I can refinance all four of my bills at a lower interest rate, at a lower payment, and when I do that, I'll be able to get by. Now, what happens a lot of times, not every time, but most of the time, when people do that, they end up and they get right back where they was again. Except now with bigger bills and bigger bills and bigger bills and even bigger bills. I am so saddened to say that I personally know people that came into an inheritance when they owned everything. I mean, house, home, car, everything, and lost it all just because of the mindset I'm talking about right now. Because they borrowed and borrowed and borrowed and went and borrowed and borrowed and borrowed some more. Well, then, you know, that's the answer that we have from the world. And that's what we look at. i got to do something. So how do I get myself out of debt? Well, more debt. I guess that's what we think. We keep looking. Oh, here's a better way. Lower payments, lower interest rate. That's what I'm going to do. But now then I go to the Bible, which says for me to owe no man anything but love. When I go to the Bible, it tells me that the person who borrows becomes a slave of the person who lended to him. When I go to the Bible, it says that you'll be prosperous. You'll lend and not borrow, the Bible says. And you know what? All of that, though, I am not considering. When I look into the Bible and I see that God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, I'm not considering that. I'm considering my only way out is for me to do something about my terrible situation. And often when we do that, I make it even more terrible than what it was. you got to look at something different. If you keep looking at your problem, your problem will keep taking you down and taking you under.
let me show you something else. Okay? Look with me one other place. You can stay there in, in, in verse 15 if you want to, or chapter 15. Just stay there in Genesis. But in the book of Hebrews, a second part of this, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Consider what? The apostle, the Lord Jesus, and high priest of our confession of the things we say and the way we talk. So, so I'm told that, like Abraham, don't keep looking at the problem. Look at Jesus and see the answer. And now I am told here to give my consideration, not under my problem, but give my consideration to the, the high priest of my confession. Jesus is high priest of what I say. He's high priest of what I profess, some translations say. The things I say. So there, there's two directions I have to go when confronting a problem. One is I got to make sure that, uh, you know what, I make sure I'm looking on God's side rather than considering the problem and looking at it. I have to secondly make sure rather than considering the problem and seeing it and talking about the problem, I have to also look toward my high priest, my Lord Jesus Christ, and begin confessing him and speaking his language and speaking his words. Got to change what I say. If not, I'll keep leading my life. The, the Bible says in the book of James that the tongue is like that. Just like we put bits in a horse's mouth and we turn it to the left and right and the horse goes this direction, it goes that direction. He said the tongue's the same way. It's the same way. It's like that rudder on the boat. When you turn the rudder, then the boat goes that way. And whichever way you're talking, whichever way you're believing that's coming out of your mouth from your heart, when you're speaking that, it's leading your body around. And it's telling you which way you're going to go and what you're going to do in life. If you want to know what your morals will be like, ask yourself, what are you talking about today? And whatever you're talking about today, that's what your morals is going to be like. You know, you're, you're speaking it into your life. We follow it. We just do. We just do. How do we do that? Well, we, we think it. You didn't say it unless you thought it. And as you think it and as you say it, it is being deposited in your heart and your spirit. And it's shaping your character by what you're saying, what you're talking about yourself. You keep walking around saying, I'm no good, I'm nothing, I'll never amount to anything. You know, I, I, I don't agree with that, but you know what? You will fulfill that in your life. You'll act like, you know, you're no good and, and, and nothing's ever going to happen good for you. And you won't fulfill any good promises in your life. But you can change. Somebody say, Amen. We can change. Look at Abraham in the book of Genesis again, chapter 17. This is the second thing that God changed about Abraham. The first thing was he changed what he looked at. The second thing he's going to change has to do with his confession. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram, A-B-R-A-M. Notice that's three, that's four, that's five letters, okay? Abram. The name Abram in Hebrew means father. That's what it means. Imagine that. Imagine he's been called father all these years long and doesn't have the first child yet. But, but that's what they call him. Father. Father. Okay? AJ and them said, well, what do you want our grandchild to call you? I said, call me Leon. I said, that's my name. I'm too young to be a grandpa. <laughs> Granny. Granddad, grandpa, papa. Well, I guess like everybody says that when you see it, they can call you anything they want to, can you? <laughs> I guess so. But notice his name's Abram. His name is Father, said to him. He said, I am Almighty God. I wonder if he'd been considering that. 
I am Almighty God. Walk before me. Be blameless. Verse 2, and I will make my covenant between me and you. We got an agreement going on between you and I. There is a covenant relationship between us. It ain't me and Mrs. Jones either. Amen? This is the covenant with God. He said, and I will multiply your or multiply you exceedingly. Verse 3, then Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of many nations. In other words, it's still there. You're still going to be the father of many nations. Verse 5, therefore, no longer, everybody say no longer, shall your name be called Abram. Don't call yourself Abram any longer. No longer. But your name shall be Abraham. What does that mean? If Abram means father, what does Abraham mean? In Hebrew, literally, Abraham means father of many. In other words, God didn't back up. He doubled down on him. Not only are you a father, man, but you are a father of many. Let me tell you what, when the devil tells you you're not going to make it, don't back up at his words. Double down on what you're going to do. I mean, move twice as fast, twice as hard, hit twice as much. I mean, you know, move the even more quickly into the things that God wants you in, to do in your life. Don't give up just because the devil told you you couldn't do it. Don't, don't listen to all these people that are, are naysayers, and they're always out there uh, against you and talking bad against you and talking trash against you. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't have ears that need to be filled with that kind of garbage. Amen? You don't. Don't, don't let it into your heart. Don't let it into your spirit, particularly if you are prone to something like that. Don't, don't do that. If you've had a harsh problem being raised and, and coming up and maybe faced issues like that, which, which I did, and, and you have some of that going on in your life, you don't need to spend any time like that letting somebody try to put you down. And, but the more you get your mind renewed to Christ Jesus, you'll think you're absolutely the greatest. You will. You, I, I think it's twofold way. We, we say a lot sometimes this because I've, I've heard this several years ago in prayer, speaking to the Lord, because I read a book, and it's a great book, and, 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 the, and the sense of the reality is there. But um, it basically, it's all about God. And I said, that, oh, God, it's all about you. And personally in my life, it, it is all about God. I want to do whatever God wants me to do in my life. I want to be obedient to him. I want to please him. I want to want worthy of the calling that he's given me. It is all about God. I want to make my whole life about him. But that really is only half of the story. Because if I ask God, you know what God says to me? Leon, it's all about you. It's all about you. God looks at He gave His Son for you. He did everything He can do. Why? Because it was all about you. That man that He had created on planet Earth, God loves you so much. So it's just reciprocal. We love Him and He loves us. Amen? All right. Now notice what happened. He said, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer. Get to that place with your mouth. Tell your mouth, no more mouth. No longer words. No longer shall your name be called Abram. But now it's Abraham. Why is that? Now, why is that? Is that because he's just saying it? Because I hear people criticize all of them. Oh, you're just saying because you say something so much, you're going to get it. And you think because you're much speaking. No, 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 no. No, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 that vain repetitions don't get you anything. But now notice, there's something behind the saying of it. It's not just because you say it 120,000 times, so to speak. It's not that at all. 
There's something behind the saying of it. Notice what he said. Why is it? Your name shall now be Abraham. Why? For. Preposition. Hooks it together. Why? For I have made you a father of many nations. I am because God says I am. I have because God says I have. I can because God says I can. I do because God says to do. He is the force. He is the power. He is the one that is driving us in our confession and our speech. It is all because of God. And what God says to Abraham is this. Stop calling yourself just father. Quit doing that. Don't just keep saying that you're the father. But now, Abraham, double down on it. Say you're the father of many nations. Abraham. When you ask somebody, ask you what your name is. And you're in this society that you're in, he says to Abraham, and you're traveling as a pilgrim in a strange land, the land that God has given you. When the people around say, what is your name? Tell them, Abraham. 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 So some of us, you know, uh, have you been believing for God to help you get debts paid off? Have you? Have you been believing to get debts paid off in your life? How many have been believing not only to get debts paid off, but to, uh, you know, to uh, uh, break even and come up to that place to where you'll have a little something? Amen? How many has been believing not only that, but uh, you're believing not to have a little something, but you're believing to have a lot of something? How many of you really have some faith in your life, and, and you don't want just a lot of something uh, because you're going to help bless a lot of people with a lot of something, but you're believing for a whole lot of something? Whole lot of something. Whole lot of something. I mean, I'll tell you what, people set their goals too low. And God changed me to a multi-thinking, well, several months ago, to a multi-thinking, not just a single thinking, but a multi-thinking. A multi, not single, but multi. How many like to be millionaires? Say amen. How many like to be a multi-millionaire? That's even better, isn't it? Change your way to multi-thinking in your life. How many like to have peace in your life? Say amen. How many like to have lots of peace? Say amen. 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 I mean, we're like it would be that no matter what you hear on the news or see with your eyes, that you're not moved by what you see. Amen. I'm moved only by the Word of God, not by what I see. Amen. So that's the two things that he tells Abraham you've got to correct. You've got to correct what you're looking at. You've got to correct what you're talking about. Now, that right there is, is, is worth those two pieces of information are worth many millions of dollars. Just to know that's, that's how it works. Now you can go try to look for some secret under some big mountain out in Omaha where you think they hid all the treasures of uh, the world. Or, or you can think there's got to be something else in that pyramid of Giza in Egypt and you can go out there and find you know a king's ransom in there. Or you think something else is going on at the Taj Mahal in India. Or, you know, just somewhere, somewhere, or there's this Dalai Lama, or there's this great guru sitting on a mountain somewhere that would just give you instruction and that kind of stuff that would get you there. But it is so simplistic. It is so easy that we hit it and we jump over and it's, you know, just going with it. But what the Bible tells us basically is two things he said to Abraham. The kind of faith that Abraham had is where he does not consider the problem or the circumstance. Again understand he knows it's there he knows his body's dead he knows sarah is past childbearing age he knows every bit of that but he's not going to focus on it not going to delve into it not going to saturate himself in that problem he's not going to consider it 
What he's going to consider is God. What he's going to consider is keeping his eyes on God and talking like God says to talk. Let me tell you something. If, if, you know what? When you, in baseball, what you got to do? When you used to say, I used to be in baseball, and you're talking like that, and they'd say, fire it in, because what? He can't hit it if he can't see it, right? He can't hit it if he can't see it. And they fire it by you so fast, boom, what was that? He can't hit it. But when I was younger, and that age, I couldn't see. I didn't know I couldn't see. Nobody ever told me I couldn't see. I just thought everybody couldn't see. And I'm going to get this thing. But I said, I couldn't see. And so I'd be up there waiting for that, and all of a sudden, ball, boom. I said, what happened? I, I didn't even know it. They said, well, just keep you on the ball. I said, what ball? The guy on the pitcher, the one he's throwing, Where? And, and, and I couldn't see it. I mean, it was a long time. I was 20 years old before I could, could get my eyes healed. But I, but I couldn't see it. And you're never going to hit an arrow or have your arrow hit the target until you focus on the target. And if you focus on everything else around, you ain't going to hit that target. You've got to change what you're looking at. You've got to change what you're talking about. God changed both of those things in Abraham's life. Okay. Let, let me just take you just a little bit further. Now, just a few more minutes. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Romans 4 and verse 19. Let me show you something. This is, this is the revelation that hit me. It is amazing. Revelation, uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Let me get where I need to be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Okay? He considered not his own body now dead. When he had, was about a hundred years old. The more you read this, the more doubt filled you get. <laughs> My goodness, dead body? hundred years old? Neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. I mean, you can go back and read the story in Genesis. When they saw some of this and God told them what he was going to do, Sarah just had a fit laughing. She couldn't believe it. Angel said, you laughed. Didn't you? Oh, no, I didn't laugh. Oh, yeah, he did. I heard you. And I bet some of us are like that. God gives us a promise in life, and he tells us what he would do for us and that kind of stuff. And we, <laughs> it might happen to somebody else, but not me, God. And then God said, you believe? Oh, yeah, I'm believing. No, I heard you, Leon. I heard you. I noticed. Considered not his own body, now dead. Considered not. Big word, not. He didn't do that. Now, let me talk to you just a, a little bit about what and show you show you a little example we believe in divine healing now what is healing we all know what healing is healing is with if you're sick you're made well if you're hurting you don't hurt anymore if you got a physical problem in your body that is going awry of what the normal function of the body ought to be then i need healing from that i need restoration rafa i need to be healed of it and we all understand that but we all believe in what's called divine healing i i believe in any kind of healing that makes you feel better okay and that, that's that's godly now i didn't say go somewhere and you know have a witch doctor somewhere and put a spell on you that's, that's not what i'm talking about but what I am, I'm believing for, I mean, you know, there's some good herbs in the earth. There's some good vitamins in the earth. There's some good nutrition in the earth. There's some things we need to do with exercise that's in the earth. Uh, there's even being out here, and we learn about this COVID stuff. It's get out of the house and get outside because vitamin D, the sunlight, 
Sunlight makes you more immune to it coming to your life. And so there's a lot of things you can do like that, and, and all those are good. And you know what? Even if you've got some issues going on in your life, and uh, maybe uh, the doctor says, okay, what you need is a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and he gives you a concoction and makes it up for you or whatever it is and makes you feel better. If it makes somebody feel better, and if somebody's in sickness and disease and pain and hurting and suffering, I'm all for alleviating suffering. How about you? I am. And thank God, I really believe that God has placed into the minds of men and women knowledge and science and understanding it's in the earth to help us develop cures and remedies for the human race so that mankind does not have to suffer. I believe in medical science. I believe in, I believe in every bit of it. I don't think you find anything there that I don't believe in. I understand sometimes. That some of the treatments that they give sometimes uh, may do more damage than they do good. I understand the hearts of people when they have to make a terrible decision and saying, well, you know what, if I'm not going to live much longer anyway, rather than have that particular kind of treatment, I, I just think I'd just rather go on a little sooner and have a little bit better quality of life the rest of my day. I can understand people having to make rationale and uh, you know, reason, reason uh, judgments like that in their life. And, and, I, and I'm thankful for everything that men and women, doctors and nurses and scientists and medical profession, everything they do, all the men, every bit of that. But all that being said, I also believe in divine healing. Somebody say divine. What is divine? We all, God. God kind of healing. I believe in the God kind of healing. And the God kind of healing doesn't need Doctors, nurses, medicine, science, anything on that realm. Okay? Doesn't need it. Or, or, or else it's not divine. It's just, and it's okay, it's just man-blessed healing. Man-blessed healing. And that's okay too. Because I believe God does bless man to, to bring healing. I, I know some people have got gifts in their life to bring healing. Healing gifts, and they're in the medical profession. Just amazing thing. You can sense it when you're around them. Bring brand new things in the earth that's never been here before create things that help people and bless people. So I, I know God's all for that and, and blessing all that. But divine healing didn't require any of that. Divine healing is God healing. Now then, part, part of when we think about it like this, listen to this. Divine healing and help is a definite act of God. Through faith in Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God and the precious blood of Jesus Christ, whereby the human body is cured, healed, repaired, delivered from sickness and its power, and is made whole, sound, and healthy. I believe in that kind of healing from God. I do. I, I believe that healing is available where God can touch your life and not do anything, just like he did for me in the highway department so many years ago and healed my eyes. And I, you know, I know what happened. But I never heard anybody else looking into the, the eye test machine and getting healed before me. But it wasn't an eye test machine. It was God that did it. And I'm thanking for it every day since then. Now then, listen to this. Here's the problem. And listen to the word alone. When we use earthly remedies alone, okay? I, I'm not saying that as a Christian, we have our faith and trust in God, and we recognize this medicine can help us. 
and we take a medicine, and, you know, we receive the medicine, believe in God, trust in God, it's going to do what it's supposed to do and help us. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when we use an earthly remedy alone, okay, our total faith is in the earthly remedy. Our total hope is in this medicine or that doctor. Andrew Murray said this, Presbyterian man, when we use earthly remedies alone for healing, all the attention of the sick one is on the body. Let me give you an example. Oh, I've got a headache. I've got a headache. Oh, Lord, does my head hurt. What am I going to do if, I, if, if I'm in this, doing what Andrew said here? I'm going to go to my medicine cabinet, and I'm going to look in there and try to find an aspirin or uh, whatever they make nowadays or Tylenols or I guess that's for headache. I don't know. Tylenols or uh, Excedrin, you know, whatever it might would be, them uh, kind of things that help your head, and they do. And I look at that, and I take that aspirin, and uh, I, next thing I'm going to do after taking the aspirin is I'm going to check my head. Head? Are you still hurting? I just took that aspirin head. Are you still hurting? What do I do when I take the medicine? I ask my body if it feels better. When I take the medicine, Andrew Murray said this almost 100 years ago. When I do that, I'm asking my body if I feel any better. I'm consulting the way I feel. I'm consulting my five senses. I took that aspirin. How long has it been? 15 minutes? How long does it take? Uh, an hour? How long has it been? Two hours? Whatever. And, and I'm looking. Body? Body? Have you responded yet? Did that medicine do it yet? Did it do it? Well, maybe it took away. Well, thank God the aspirin helped. Thank God it helped. Thank you. You know, aspirin got me well. Or, no, it didn't. That aspirin didn't do a thing for me. I eat them like candy and don't do a thing for me. Whatever. It didn't do anything for me. Didn't do anything for me. Divine healing. To finish this quote. Divine healing, however, causes us to turn our attention away from the body. When you're believing for God to heal your body, your attention is no longer on your body. We turn our attention away from the body. We abandon ourselves to the care of the Lord. In other words, now... If I take a natural remedy, I look to the body to see if it helped me. Okay? Just how it works. Not saying that's evil or you go to hell for doing it. Not saying that at all. That's just how it works. But if I go to God, I don't ask my body if I'm healed when I prayed. I don't wait to see this or that happen. Because, you see, I, I'm not moved by feelings. I'm moved by my God. Listen to this. I don't ask my body if I'm healed. I consult Jesus' body. And the Bible tells me that Jesus himself, in, in 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self in his own body, in his own body on the tree, that we've died to sins and might live in the righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. My healing don't come based on how my body feels. My healing comes based on what happened to Jesus' body at the cross. And, and if you could switch your thinking from not considering, as Abraham did, his own body, but 
considering the promises of God, then you can receive your healing. I mean, that's just simplistic, real, down-to-earth faith. That's just what it is. That is just how it works. When we pray, I mean, if, if you're praying, you say, okay, let me see, do I feel better? Oh, I guess God didn't hear me pray. Why? Your body told you you didn't. You know, you're asking your body. And we're not told to ask our body. Abraham wasn't told to ask his body. If he asked his body, if he's having a child, what would his body say? Somebody tell me. No. How about, how about your wife Sarah? Is she going to have a child? What would her body say? No. He can't ask his body. He considered not his own body now dead. What is he considering? If you look back at it in, in, in Romans chapter 4, what is he considering? It said he considered not his own body, verse 19. And in verse 20 says he staggered not at the promise of God. He's considering the promises of God. He has become fully persuaded that what God has promised, God can do. That's where he's at. Body doesn't have anything to do with it. He, he's not asking body anything. He, he is telling body what the situation is. You may not know it, body. How do you get that? Because he said, body, your name is Abraham. You are now father of many. That's what he's now saying to his body. When, he, when he's looking, he is seeing the stars of heaven, and as many as they are, the sands of the sea. He's seeing, all, that, that's you, body. You're producing every bit of that. He's changed what he's looked at. He's changed what he's talking about. He's not considering his own body or the deadness of, uh, of his wife's womb. None of that. No. What is he doing? He has moved his attention from flesh to spirit, from the world to God. And really, that, that is the nuts and bolts of the issue. If you are ever going to receive, and you could go into all kinds of things like that. You, you can go into look in Scripture, uh, example after example after example. And, and you'll see them doing it over and over and over again. When, when Jesus prayed, we, we don't have to turn that, but when Jesus prayed for the centurion, he said, uh, my uh, servant is at home, sick, paralyzed, and tormented. I, I know, I saw him. He was there, he's at home, I saw him there. And, and Jesus said, I'll come heal him. And the centurion said, you don't have to go. All you got to do is speak a word. I don't have to see you put your hands on him. All you got to do is speak a word. I know what will happen. He's moved his attention from considering his servant to considering Jesus that has power to heal his servant. He, he, he moved it away. You, you can look at other places in Scripture that you can see too. Let, let, me, let me give this. What does the Bible say uh, concerning about finances? The Bible says this in Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or yet for your body... What you shall put on. In other words, don't get over anxious about it. Don't get worried about it. Don't get upset about it. And finally, he tells us why. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. So when we're looking at our needs, we don't focus on our financial needs and say, oh, there it is. God, I'm going under. Lord, help me. Can't do it. Well, this is too big. Well, I can't do anything about it. You don't do that. No, you're transferred to looking at the kingdom of God first place in your life. I mean, you, you get to that place when you worship Jesus and you love Jesus. You, you know certain things just won't come against you or happen in your life or you'll overcome them, whatever the situation might be, just because you know Jesus. You've been living with him. He's your very best friend. You, you know what he will do. You know what he I mean, if you were with mom or dad and you're a little child and somebody started picking on you, uh, you're not worried or concerned. Why? Because you know what mom and dad's going to do. They're going to take care of business. Well, you can be around G God that same way. Be around Jesus that same way. So you know him so well that you just know he's going to take care. He's going to do the right things that you have need of. All those kind of things uh, in your life. You, you can look at this. What, what does the Bible say about this? 
Another instance. Remember, Jesus is preaching. He's teaching. He's been preaching a long time and that kind of thing. And he wants to get on a boat. And on this boat, as he's preaching and teaching that kind of thing, uh, he tells Peter, he says, I'll use your boat. Peter says, okay, you can use it. After he gets through preaching and teaching, he's going to thank them for the boat. He says, how about going fishing, guys? And Peter says this, we have fished all night long and caught nothing. Right? We fishermen, man, we in the business of fishing. We hadn't caught. Not only that, not only the business fishing, we've been trying it for, you know, eight hours now all night long and haven't caught anything. But then Peter wises up, and here's what he says. Nevertheless, at your word, we will let down the net. What did he do? He stopped looking at the fact that he was a fisherman, the fact that he had been fishing all night long, the fact that they absolutely caught nothing. He stopped looking at that and started looking at Jesus and said, if that's what your word says, that's what we're going to do. You know the story. They let down the net, and they took in a draw of fishes more than they was prepared to take in because they had to call people in the other boats. How would you like to do that when you went down to the bank and you said, I want to withdraw some money? And when you got down to the bank, they said, well, who's with you? He said, nobody but me. And they said, you're going to need some help. We'll get you some. And just a few minutes later, you saw the Brinks truck drive up out front <laughs> where they're about to load up all your reserve of gold and money and everything you got. That's sort of the way it was with Peter. I mean, he wasn't prepared for the overflow that he got in his life. And you know what? That, that's, that's the essence of faith. There's other things we could look at. But I'm just driving home that one point. We consider not the problem. Again, I hope for the last time today, I understand the problem's there. You understand when I gave you the definition of consider. We don't dwell on it. We don't focus on it. We don't magnify it. We don't make it the biggest thing in our life. No. What we do in those things, we focus on God, magnify Him, make Him the biggest thing in our life. That's what we do. And that was Abraham's secret. He considered not his own body, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. But he looked at the promises of God, knowing that he who had promised was faithful to forgive them. He knew that to the point he was fully persuaded that what God had said he would do. Fully persuaded. That's where we need to be at. You get to that place and all this stuff that happens out in the world and on the news and every other place that you, you look at going on in our world today. And, and believe me, you know, what are we on right now? October the 4th this day. Headed, what, uh, November 3rd, right? We've got 30 days of people releasing all the hell they can release in the next 30 days. I mean, you know what? You're going to think this whole place is about to blow up and go crazy and everything else in the next 30 days around here. I don't, you know, I just turn that thing off, that kind of thing. But you know what? Don't, don't, don't let that focus be yours. If you do, it'll drive you crazy and nuts. Make you mad, mean, hateful, disgusted, can't stand this person, that person, all. You don't need all that kind of stuff. Amen? Hey, man, just accept things in life. Some people are, are different, right? Some, some of us like a, a chocolate ice cream. Some of us like strawberry. I don't look at you and say, because you like strawberry, you must be, you hate me. No, you don't hate me because you like strawberry. You just like strawberry by chocolate. I like chocolate. You can like your strawberry, I can like chocolate. How about that, amen? <laughs> but we don't focus on all these problems that the world does. That's the world doing that stuff. That's not us as children of God. We're not going to participate in that, Amen. Not at all. We're going to focus on God. Stand with me this morning. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. In Jesus' name. God Almighty. God Almighty, we give you praise. We give you glory. Almighty God. Lord God. Raise your hands toward heaven. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Father, 
I come to you in the name of Jesus and based on the Word of God. I say, even now, to myself, to all those who hear me, as I testify that I am not moved by what I see. I am only moved by the Word of God. I consider not all things that are against me. I consider my God and His promises. Lord God, You are faithful. You have always been, and I rest in Your love, Your faithfulness. In the name of Jesus, shout hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. God bless you. God bless you. Amen.